0: The Sheila
1: Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky.
2: Hello, listeners, and thank you for tuning in on this very important Thursday. Well, as promised, I have on the round table of speakers from Here the Watchmen. I am very pleased. To introduce you to a lot of the speakers that are going to be there this is such a treat let's jump right into things pastor David Langford I'm going to let you start things off sir
0: go ahead thank you Sheila it's a great joy to be with my brethren tonight we have great expectation we have great hope in what God is going to do in Dallas uh, it's my heart's desire to see a move of God coupled with that move of God a manifestation of godly repentance the Bible tells us in Acts three nineteen. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And this nation, regretfully, is in a very, very tenuous situation right now, and it's fundamentally because there's a lack of repentance. Pastors, ministers, evangelists, for the most part, are afraid to preach against sin, they're afraid to preach repentance. Because they're too interested in being politically correct and they don't want to offend anybody. Well, John the Baptist was a man that preached repentance. Mark's first recorded words of Christ in Mark 1 and 15 said, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And repentance is what brings forgiveness. And, of course, once forgiveness has been presented to a person, they are then redeemed. And the Bible says in Psalms 130, verse 8, the Lord is plenteous in redemption. But what I find so powerful about Peter and his words in Acts 3:19, he said, Repent ye, therefore, and be converted. That means to be broken. It means to be sorrowful. It means to turn away from your wicked ways and give your heart to Christ, that your sins may be blotted out. Under the Old Testament covenant, sin was just covered by the shedding of animal blood. But when Jesus came, he had the ability to take away the sin. John 1.29, when John saw Jesus coming afar off, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So after we are repentant, and we're forgiven, we're redeemed, our sins are blotted out, Peter said, then comes the times of refreshing, which in the Greek is a revival, a time of revival shall come from the presence, and the word presence there in the Greek is comes from the face of God, in other words, God himself in his divine presence will show up and will manifest himself And pour out of his spirit upon his people. In Psalms 105 verse 3, the psalmist said, glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. When we begin to seek God's face, we're putting aside everything else in our lives. It's like being intimate with a spouse. They look into each other's face. When we get intimate with Christ, we get close to Christ. Christ gets close to us. James 4, 7, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Christ desires closeness and fellowship. But Isaiah said there's a problem. The problem is sin. He tells us in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. So again, repentance causes God to turn his face toward us. But sin negates God's ability to turn his face toward us. Not only does it negate him turning his face toward us, but it also shortens his hand, that he cannot reach out and touch us as he desires to touch us. And it also brings a type of deafness, that he does not hear us. I hear a lot of people that claim to be Christians, they say, well, I pray, I talk to God, but I know I'm not living like I ought to live. Well, Isaiah said that his ear is heavy, that it cannot hear. So my goal, my vision in the conference in Dallas with my peers, my colleagues, my brethren is to see a move of God in the greatest way and the greatest manifestations that I've ever been in any dispensation, any generation was when there was an element of full-blown repentance. And when men repent, God begins to move. And I want to share one more passage of Scripture and, and give it to Flip because I don't want to bogart or take anyone's time, because every speaker is significant in this meeting. Everyone plays a significant role in what God is going to do in this conference. But there was questions about sin in Luke 13. The Bible said there were present at that season some that told him, talking of Jesus, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen. That reminds me of the Twin Towers, September the 11th or those 18 upon whom the tower in Salaam fell and slew them? Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Because we have the tendency to think because something evil happens to someone, they're a greater sinner than we are. But Jesus was making it clear whether they were Galileans being slain by Pilate whether they were part of the group that the Tower of Salaam fell on. He said, don't think that you're better than them or that they were sinners above other men, except you repent. Ye shall always likewise perish. So my heart's desire is to see people broken, contrite, and humbled, and that the spirit of conviction through the Holy Ghost will brood over this assembly, this gathering, and that men and women... And young people alike will find an altar and ask God to touch their lives and negate their sins and wash them and make them whole again. Sheila, I'm going to give it now to Flip Benham, who has preached for me before, by the way, and he is a great, great man of God. Michael Boldy has preached for me as well, so I know those two men have been in my pulpit personally.
2: That was well said, Pastor David Langford. Flip, I'm going to give it over to you now, sir.
3: Well, thank you, Sheila, and thank you, Pastor David. You're a man of God, and I love to hear the word, and I love to hear the word of repentance, which in the Greek is really actually two words. One is meta, and the other is noia. Meta meaning change, and noia or noose meaning mind, to change your mind. We are in this country, in this nation, we are heading south. We have cast God out. We've expelled him from school, banished him from the schoolyard, ripped his Ten Commandments off the wall, and just departed from him and thrown him behind our back that 's the God of the Bible that is the God that saved me david that 's the God that saved you and coach and John and uh, and and so many of the speakers that are going to be uh, there on this march eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth in Dallas, Texas and our message and our vision is to bring this repentance to the hearts of God's people, that we would be broken before him, that we would stop pointing our finger at the Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, the Republican Party, Democratic Party, all of the stuff that's going on there, and that we would get our eyes fixed on the sin that's in us. I just love that scripture in Isaiah 59 nine two, Pastor David, that you gave us, that you know our sins separate between us and our god and our our iniquities hide his face from us that he will not hear and in and in isaiah chapter one he tells us that your hands are full of blood and i'm not going to listen to you and to your prayers so you can pray until the cows come home but until you come to the point where you realize it's me god i'm the one slay this dragon inside of me save me lord and then enable me to let your light shine out into this world and your truth that will bring and set the captive free when we will see supernatural powers of almighty god as the chains of sin are broken as the blind begin to see those with stopped up ears begin to hear and God's Holy Spirit begins to move into the hearts of others and the whole world will know that there is another king and that his name is Jesus that's what we're called to do we were saved to serve him and that's what all of the fellas that I know and a lot of them I haven't met and some of them I know very well that are going to be at the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas Texas it 's going to be an awesome time of repentance it 's going to be a time for uh, if a mother um, has killed her child through an abortion or something like that, and she has been surrounded by the chains of this sin and it just sort of drags her back into the depths of despondent despair and depression. We have a message for her that if you will confess the truth, if you will repent of your sin, you will find a freedom that you never had before freedom from the guilt. You see, we find out that time doesn't wear away the guilt of sin. It does not. It goes on and on. It stays. And so we try to somehow cope with that with Prozac, Zoloft, or Psychiatrist Couch. We're doing everything to try and find our way out. We try to work our way out by doing good things and find that that is ultimately empty. And And we just come to an end of ourselves and say, why bother even living anymore? And it's this opportunity, when we get to our wit's end, When we come to the point where we say, God, there is no hope for me, there is no help for me, and we just stretch out our little hand and place it into his great big hand, and he lifts us up out of that pit, the pit that psychiatrists and psychologists couldn't get us out of, that guilt, he begins to lift us up, and he sets us upon a rock. He puts a new song in our mouth. And we begin to sing that song. And we begin to sing the truth of liberty with supernatural power. And others will look and say, my goodness, what is that? What has happened to this person? How is this person that was so despondent, so depressed, so discouraged, so filled with light and hope and joy? And that is the message that we have. And that is the vision, I believe, for this conference. And she will, you know better than I. But I do know Mike and Jeannie's heart. I do know John Robertson. I know uh, Coach David Dobbenmeier's heart. I know Pastor David Lambert's heart. And I know what they're looking for. They're looking for the captive to be set free. And then as that captive is set free, we begin to be different kind of people. We get over ourselves. We're not. We're not any longer worried about our own salvation. We don't love God for what we can get from him. You know, if you love God, Just for what you can get from him, you're going to hate him for what he takes from you. You know, we've got to love God because he is Almighty God. He is the one that created us. He is the one that set eternity in our hearts. And he is the only one that can set us free to complete the mission and the purpose for which we were born. And he has a purpose for each one of us. And we want to get people back on that track so that they can see that I am going to run this race, and I'm going to run it with all of my might and with all of my strength. God helping me, I'm going to finish this race, and if I go down, I'm going to go down standing up in the name of Jesus, and my children and generations that come behind me are going to know that I was one that to cast my life on the barbed wire so that the generations coming behind me could just walk over and run over my dead carcass and continue storming the gates of hell, because we know that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We want to wake the church up to her responsibility to stand for the king of kings, to rightly represent him. We have the keys. God has given us the keys as born-again Christians that we can unloose on this earth that repentance and confession, and we can tell the truth, and God opens up the heavens, and he loses from heaven his supernatural power, and things begin to happen. All we have to do is turn the lion of Judah loose, and I'm just thankful to God that God saved me when I was 27 years old. And I thought when he saved me, he was going to make me a good citizen, a fine guy, and a nice person, and, and, and things were going to be well, and I'd be a good dad uh, for my kids, and a good husband to my wife. I didn't know. Nobody told me that God had chosen me to have peace with him, but when I had that peace with him, I declared war on somebody else, and that battle is being fought right here on this earth, and we were born for a time such as this and we are privileged to bring god's message to be those ambassadors of christ through whom god will reconcile the world to himself and that's our duty that's our call and when people are set free to do that we see unloose from heaven supernatural power that begins to enable people to do that for which they were born and that eternity that's set in their heart makes them fully whole and free to get over themselves and out into love their neighbor as themselves and to love our God for who He is, not for what we can get, but just simply for who He is. And I believe that that's our purpose, that's our vision, and what we hope to see in the folks that come. And I, I think we already we have six or seven hundred folks that are coming. It's going to be an incredible time. And when they come, that they would be set free to be able to be mightily used. By a mighty God who saves us, forgives us of all of our sin, sets us upon his rock, and then enables us to proclaim his truth. And we become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then we will be repairers of the wall. That's what it tells us in Isaiah
2: chapter 61.
3: So good to hear Pastor Langford. Looking forward to hearing the other guys. Thank you,
2: Sheila. Thank you. Very well said, Flip. And, of course, you nailed it when you said it's about what the living God wants to do here. And thank you for that, sir. Dave Daubermeyer, take it away, sir.
4: Oh, Sheila, man, it's so good to be here, Flip and, and uh, Pastor Langford. I'm, I'm a little bit different, folks. I, I, I'm a coach. I'm, I'm not a pastor. I mean, I'm, a, I'm ordained, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm a coach. And uh, my job in life has been to exhort people to be greater than what we can be. The greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, but my football coaching training tells me this as I look out across our football team, God's team. I'm uh, drawn to Hebrews chapter 11, which is a great faith hall of fame, and all those things, a great Christian DNA, the, our DNA, our Christian DNA, the, those who uh, fought lines and it's all in there in the faith hall of fame. But I am turned to Hebrews 12, where this writer says, Wherefore, see, we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And that's one of the big problems we're facing in America. We're carrying a lot of baggage. Christians are carrying a lot of baggage. You know, I coach a lot of football guys, and, and, and I would say to some of those guys, you know, you're going to be okay. You'll, you'll be fine, but you got to get in shape. You're not in shape yet. You're carrying around a belly. we got to get that belly off of you. And the reality of it is, there are a lot of people who are trying to serve the Lord, but they can't serve the Lord because they're weighted down. They they got baggage that they're carrying everywhere we go. They go, and that baggage keeps them from performing to the level that God wants them to perform. Now think about. Put on the forearm armor of God. If we get a picture of that, I always, in my mind, I picture a football player, and he's putting on the helmet of salvation, and he puts on the breastplate of light righteousness. He puts his helmet on, puts his shoulder pads on, and his loins are good about with truth, and he shods his feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He carries the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Now look at this guy all dressed in this wonderful football uniform, ready to run out to battle, but there's one problem. His belt's loose. The belt of truth is loose on so many Christians in America today. I hope you see the picture I'm painting. I'm tying together this idea that we're carrying a lot of baggage, and at the same time, we have got to tighten our belt. We've got to tighten our belt, but why can't we tighten our belt? Well, we won't stand up, and we won't speak, and we won't fight, and we won't push back because think about this, guys, girls. The last thing that anybody wants to do is stand up. happened to me just today, by the way, out at the clinic. I'm losing a little bit of weight, and I didn't have my belt on, and I started to walk down the sidewalk. You know what began to happen? I I started to get some of those low riders. You know what I'm talking about? Those pants began to sag on me because I didn't have that belt around me. And I was reminded again that the last thing anyone is going to do The last thing they'll do to stand, they will not stand if they're afraid their pants are going to drop. That's where we are in America. So many men and so many women will not stand and speak because they are afraid their pants are going to drop and they're going to be exposed. For this sin and this weight that so easily ensnares them, they cannot run with patience the race that is set before them. The only way you tighten that belt is you got to you got to deal with the truth. A slogan I I uh, stole from Flip Benham is that truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. I use it a lot, and unfortunately, we have men and women in our churches. There's sin in their life. There's sin in their past life. They don't want to stand. See, a woman doesn't want to stand up and speak against, about abortion because she participated in it. A man doesn't want to stand up and speak out against abortion because he participated in killing his own baby. And he doesn't want to stand up because he's afraid he's going to be exposed, that that belt of truth is going to drop off of him. And the only way that he can get free is to come and confess that sin that Christ might bring the truth back inside him, that he might gird his loins with truth. That's what I think Here the Watchman's all about. I believe it's about deliverance. I believe it's about shaking off weights. I believe it's about getting rid of sin that is so easily ensnared us. Guys that are looking at pornography, guys who are fooling around at, at work, guys who are cheating at work sin. They're afraid they're going to be exposed. And I know that every guy on this call, we're all dealing with our own weights and our own sins that so easily beset us. I pray that the Lord's going to meet us in Dallas and he's going to tighten that belt for us. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to give us a tummy tuck. He's going to get rid of that weight that we're carrying around, those burdens, those sins, those unconfessed sins. He's going to set us free to do the, the job that he's, that he's called us to do. So it's an honor to be part of, I ask myself all the time, are you kidding me, Lord, a guy like me? You take a you take a guy like, a chief of all centers guy like me, and you're going to put me with Flip Benham and David Langford. And oh, are you kidding me, Lord? Oh, my goodness. And uh, humbly, I invite people to come, come and do what the Lord has called me to do. But I'm, I'm just a guy, just a guy with a sagging belt that's doing everything I can to tighten it up. So God bless you all and look forward to seeing every one of you in Dallas.
2: Well said. And I think God never intended for man really to live under the bondage of sin and the image and likeness of Christ, that's what it's about. When we give up trying to do things our way and recognize Jesus saved us from our sin and when we fully submit to the Holy Ghost, He does give us that dominion over sin. And very, very well said, Dave. John Robertson, you have some thoughts. Weigh in on this, sir.
5: Well, Sheila, thank you so much for setting this this round table for
2: Uh, all of us who have been blessed
5: and anointed to participate in the here the Watchman conference coming up here March 18th, 19th, 20th in Dallas. And, you know, uh, if I could spray paint this across the hearts of everyone listening today, I would do so and accept the consequences. And it comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. And just Sheila and, and uh, Pastor Langford, Flip, Coach, Greg, and, and my fellow brethren, just by a quick uh, way of introduction, I'm, I'm relatively new to the, the congregation here. So uh, about a year ago, I started doing shows that at first began to expose the satanic and luciferian agenda, some of it totally in your face, some of it very subtle uh, in Hollywood. And I will make the confession openly right here on your show today, Sheila. For 16 years, I was a very capable cook in the devil's kitchen. I woke up every day, went to Warner Brothers, Universal, Disney, etc., worked for the kingdom of darkness in order to garner a paycheck. And what happened was the words of Jesus uh, began to resonate in my heart and then begin to convict my soul. And this comes from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, verses 22 through 24, and, and I really feel like this is who the Lord has led me to be, and certainly without these precious words of Jesus, I would not be part of, of this uh, remnant body at here. the Watchman. Uh, Jesus said, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know I found in First Timothy, uh, chapter four, verses six. Six through seven, I think these are instructions for all of us. And in my participation in Here, the Watchman, I will be addressing this. And it says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, now that's referring back to verse five, these are things sanctified by the word of God and prayer, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. Parenthetically, the English Standard Version says, Refuse the profane and silly myths, and exercise thyself unto godliness. So my instruction and prayer and admonishment uh, at Hear the Watchman will be to work within the satanic, Luciferian-driven paradigm of that which is counterfeit. And that being said... Uh, you know, uh, uh, Brother Flip, I've been so blessed to, to do shows with you lately and, and to work with, and we all know the story of Nehemiah, but, you know, Nehemiah, bottom line, was commanded by the Lord to build a wall. And the Lord told Nehemiah, you will be finished when the wall is complete. And we know that he worked with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And I would ask everyone listening today, examine your life. Examine your life Monday through Friday. Ask yourself this question. Are you working with both hands on a trowel, just kind of swinging mortar back and forth, you know, counting the minutes to payday or to the, the weekend? Or do you have one hand on a sword? Folks, we need to have a Nehemiah moment. And we need to temper that Nehemiah moment with the obedience of Joshua. And so we were blessed back on December 21st to bring on two very brave women uh, Catherine Hearn and Shelley Clegg gave their testimonies as post-abortive women, uh, would-be moms who went through absolute Luciferian deception hell for years, uh, holding this secret. They had a stone in their heart and in their soul, and it it was destroying their lives spiritually, maritally, socially, and otherwise. And I'm pleased to report that many of us received emails from would-be moms who heard that show and, praise God, decided to carry their babies to term. So it inspired Mike and Jeannie and myself to uh, work with Reverend Flip Benham. And at Hear the Watchman, we are going to have a special healing ministry for the post-abortive, for would-be parents, uh, both post-abortive moms as well as would-be fathers are welcome to participate in this and Shelley Clegg, who gave her testimony on the Hagman and Hagman report. She's coming in from St. Louis. And Christine O'Dell, who worked for many years with Operation Save America and directly with Reverend Flip Benham. She will be present at Hear the Watchman as well with her husband. There will be a special room set aside at the hotel for those would-be parents who are victims of their own misjudgment, their own sin, If you are post-abortive, please come to hear the Watchmen in March. We have a special uh, healing ministry there for you so that you can come weighted by that sin and leave washed in the blood, dried at the hem of his garment, and ready to live the rest of your life for him and get figured out what it is that he would have you do. And so lastly, I just want to say this. This is my personal mission. For my participation in Hear the Watchman, uh, it convicts me and also uplifts me. And my message at Hear the Watchman will tie in to this scripture, and I'll close with this. It is from Psalm 119, verses 133 through 136, and it says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so, I, so will I keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. If there is any way you can make it to hear the Watchman, I personally look forward to meeting with you folks, with praying with you, and especially for those would-be parents out there that have been carrying this in their hearts for who knows how many years. You keep it secret from the folks in your church you keep it secret from your family members, and pretty much it's killing your spirit. And there are going to be a thousand remnant believers that hear the Watchmen who will pray with you, counsel with you. You need to be part of this. Uh, And that being said, God bless you, Sheila, and all of the folks participating uh, at this roundtable today. And uh, and with that, Brother Greg Jackson, it is so good to be on the air with you again. I love doing shows with you. Uh, Do your thing, Greg. (laughs)
6: Sheila, God bless you for having us on and your audience as well. Uh, just getting over uh, a little bit of a flu bug here, so if uh, my voice fails me, I apologize. But I just want to just say and echo what uh, a lot of the these great men of God that I'm so privileged and honored um, to be with in, 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 I guess, 44 days or, or so in Dallas, Texas, because... Um, I think if there's a common thread, a common theme, it is that there is a remnant out there. They are yearning. They are thirsty for the real word of God to be preached. They are hungry and thirsty for the full counsel of God's word, including repentance, and they're not hearing it at their congregations. As solid as some of them may be, there is a remnant, I believe, across America that is ready for true revival, revived hearts. And that includes believers, Sheila, who, uh, have, you know, been calling themselves Christians for years. They know that they're saved, but they also know that there's sin in their life, like pastor Langford and coach Dave was talking about. And that they need, they need that refreshing that John was just talking about from Psalms. And, They know they've been convicted, and you listening right now to my voice, maybe you're one of them that knows that for a long time you've been in need of a place where you can go to experience real fellowship and real Bible teaching and have real worship of the Lord Jesus Christ with other brothers and sisters who are just like you, imperfect, broken, and looking for the energy and the strength and the wisdom to endure the times ahead. And we all know that uh, we, we know not the day or the hour, but we know that we're in the end of the end days and that uh, the coming of our Lord is near and that we need, to be, we need to be prepared. We need to have lamps that are full of oil in these last days. We need to be prepared and energized and infused with the Holy Spirit to be able to speak truth and life into our family members and friends' lives. Because I I truly believe, Sheila, and I think that everybody on this call would agree that the economic collapse, the cultural and societal breakdown that's already taking place is just going to escalate at an exponential rate in the coming months and and year. And that really – Unless we have the solid rock, the, the chief cornerstone as our undergirding foundation in our lives, we will not be able to endure the times that are approaching. But at the same time, I look at this conference coming up, here, the Watchmen, people like Coach Dave, who I've known for years, and Pastor Benham, and David Langford, who I listen to regularly, and, and to be there with you as well, Sheila, my good buddy, John, I mean, this is like a dream come true in many ways. I feel so blessed to be part of this because ultimately, even though they're dark times and increasingly maybe even, uh, you know, very challenging times for believers, I think these are the most exciting times. I think it was Coach Dave who was talking about Hebrews, the uh, chapter 11 in the Hebrews uh, Hall of Fame, the Faith Hall of Fame, uh, and that we have a cloud of witnesses observing us. And just to know that we have been born for such a time as this. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I look at this conference as, wow, God's eyes are searching the earth to and fro, looking for those who would be obedient to him, who would be humble, contrite, and broken-hearted, and just wanting to be willing vessels to glorify him, to lead others to him. And that's what I see this conference as being a place of, of refreshment for the believer, but also for, and I guess this would be kind of my niche or where, where I kind of fit in, in, in into this congregation of, of, of speakers, which is that I believe that these are going to be very, very challenging times ahead for families. And I know Mike and Jeannie want to open this up to families. There's going to be tons of, of, of family-oriented stuff that you can do and have great fellowship as a family, especially if you've had some challenging time, times with your kids. Uh, maybe, maybe they're going through some, some, some of the difficult issues we've discussed today. They're backslidden. Maybe they're going away from the faith. What the Lord has really laid on my heart is that children, younger people, the younger generation, would have a knowledge of the truth and that that truth would set them free and what I mean by truth is the truth of God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that um, with all of the lies and, and propaganda in the culture, and the media, and the society at large, that our children would know the truth and that they would have that foundation to endure the times that are coming. And so I'm looking forward, hopefully, to be able to share the most important truths that parents can teach their children and I look forward to personally interacting. This isn't going to be one of those meetings where there's a green room and where the speakers aren't mixing in and fellowshipping with the people that are at the conference. We're, we're all going to be one unified family, the body of Christ. I'm hoping that uh, there can be a refreshing among parents, that they will feel empowered uh, having the resources uh, and the ability to teach their children the, the, the truth. Here the Watchman Conference, In Texas, I know that tickets are – a lot of them have been sold, and I think there only might be a couple hundred left, and I'm hoping, Sheila, that a lot of your listeners will go and, and get them because this is going to be a very, very anointed and special time. I can't wait to be part of it, and I just feel so honored and so blessed and can't wait to see you guys.
2: Well, I think the feeling is very mutual, Again, just such a powerful lineup, and I'm very anxiously anticipating such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be wonderful. Well said, Greg Jackson. And if you know the name, Dimitri Dudeman, you know this next speaker, Michael Boldea. Welcome. Such an honor, sir.
7: Well, thank you for having me. It is an honor for me. I guess I'm the young buck in the group, and it's an honor for me to sit here and listen to everyone else who came before me. And I think that we can encapsulate all of our feeling as to what we're expecting of this event uh, to be the will of God to be done. I, I believe if all of us desire for God's will to be done, for God's perfect will to be done, and for glory to be brought to the name of Jesus. Um, it's it's very difficult nowadays, especially in the times that we're living in, to find one individual, never mind a group of individuals whose singular desire is to bring glory to the name of Christ, and I think because our desire is simply that, to bring glory to God, uh, we're looking forward to a very exciting time in the Lord. Uh, my place in this event, my place in this conference will be uh, to speak on having peace through the storm, as some of the previous speakers alluded The storm is here. It's no longer coming. It's no longer on the horizon. It's not something that we look afar off in the distance and see. The storm is here. And unfortunately, many believers are not ready. They're not prepared. Uh, They're still twiddling their thumbs. They're still waiting for the bus to come. And that critical moment of choosing is very close at hand. And if we've not purposed in our hearts to follow after Christ, if we've not purposed in our hearts, to be faithful even unto death, if we've not purposed in our hearts to endure to the end, then we will deny him at that critical moment. And so I believe coming together in fellowship, there's going to be a thousand believers who are taking time out of their lives who believe this event is important enough to come together to pray, to fellowship, to hear the word of the Lord, to hear testimony, to hear ministry, and to be ministered to. And we are God's family. We are the body of Christ. We are united under the banner of he who is our Lord and King. And when two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. Imagine what's going to happen when a thousand people are crying out to God. And that's my hope. That's my desire. That's, that's the cry of my heart. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit in such a way. Pour out your Holy Spirit to such an extent wherein every single person that attends will leave that place transformed and changed and reignited to go out and preach Christ to those that they know, to those that they come in contact with. You know what? Ministry shouldn't be reserved for ministers. Uh, I I know that sounds controversial, but I believe it to be so. Every single one of us that calls ourselves a child of God, every single one of us that calls ourselves believers, are supposed to be lights in this world of darkness. Our light is supposed to shine so that those in the darkness might come to the light, might come to the knowledge of truth, might come to the knowledge of Christ, might come to repentance and a renewal of mind and heart, as the brother was saying. That's what repentance is. It's it's metanoia. It's a new mind. It's seeing everything around you, including yourself, in a new way, in a new light. It's having new desires. It's having new aspirations. It's being transformed from within and from without to bring glory to God and to serve Christ Jesus. And so I am excited. Uh, I don't do a lot of events. I'm not one of those people that looks for the spotlight. And so when I was invited, I prayed about it. And I prayed about it a lot because I like my privacy. I like my intimacy. Of all the people speaking there, the only one I know a little better is is Pastor Dave. And that's because I've preached in his church and I love his beard. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he's older than I am, so I have something to look forward to. But other than that, you know, I, I don't know these brothers, but I know the desire of their heart is to see and feel the presence of God and to bring glory to Jesus. And, and if that is the baseline of everyone's ministry and calling and desire, then I'm in it. And I'm in it with all of my heart. I'm in it without any reservation. And uh, I think that God will do a great, great thing come uh, March 18th, 19th, and 20th. So I've, I've sat here and listened for almost an hour. I was fed spiritually. I'm very excited to hear some of these speakers. You know what? God is able, if we're willing to let him be God, if we don't put him in a box, if we don't try to dictate terms, if we don't say, I'll give you half my heart, but let me keep the other half, if we're just broken before him, sackcloth and ash repentance, saying, Lord, here I am, use me. I know me. I know that in the eyes of the world and even much of Christendom, I don't amount to much. S-Coach said, I'm a little pudgy. He's probably going to make me do push-ups or sit-ups when he first sees me because, you know, I I don't jog or run or anything else, but here I am, Lord, use me. And if that's the desire of our heart, if that is the heart cry that we all have, Lord, use me in the manner that you see fit, I do believe that God will do a great and mighty thing.
2: Great and mighty thing, and I think I speak for all of us really, Michael, when I say ministers, preachers, pastors, the bottom line is, we're all servants. And it is my pleasure to welcome on a man that I'm very familiar with, so we've been to a conference together, and it is my pleasure to welcome on this roundtable this evening, Russ Dizdar. Russ, welcome.
1: Great to be with you tonight. Sheila, I've been to uh, probably over close to 60 conferences in the last six years. Uh, maybe more than that, I'm not even sure. We, we, we've seen so many things. We've got to see a lot of people get saved, a lot of baptisms. Um, we've seen because uh, I'm used to giving invitations, used to you know engaging in ministry. No matter what the subject matter is that we talk about, ultimate end is um, you know bringing out Jesus, bringing out the ministry that He brings. So wh- wherever we've been, that's what we've done, uh, and uh, we spend far more time ministering to people. And again, the hunger that I've had for years and years, praying for spiritual awakening, the biblical kind, the kind of Jonathan Edwards, uh, George Whitefield, uh, the Wesleys, where God strikes in such a way that a collective crowd of individuals are subdued by the Spirit of God and that there is such a repentance and such a turning and such a cleansing and such a refilling of the Spirit of God that it turns into thousands getting saved. Incorporated with this is the real ministry of Jesus, healing, real physical healing and inner healing and deliverance that is absolutely necessary. And we've done a lot. Of, we've done hundreds of prayer of deliverance for individuals over the years now at conferences, and people are coming because um, I've known this as a pastor for 30 years that the majority of believers have not been taught how to experience the armor of God, uh, how to know appropriate the authority of Christ to trample on the dark side, how to have that victory with the biblical declaration prophecies that the dark side will ramp up and extend itself as never before in history, meaning there will be more deception, more seduction, more counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles, more counterfeit everything, and people are experiencing it everywhere. We need such an impact of God, and that's what I guess I pray for this coming conference, uh, because I look at the speakers, and I think in terms of how this conference came about and the battles that have gone on, and I look at the conference, and I don't even know the internals. I'm just a speaker coming, Uh, and, and it takes a lot of work, and there's battle. My wife can tell you that, uh, in the development. So I think there's been a lot of battle against this conference. And there's been changes in order to set it up ultimately the way God wants it. Because I think God is setting it up so there will be a great visitation, so that uh, believers are struck suddenly by the power of God, and that the hand of God is stretched forth, Acts chapter 4, and that healing and deliverance and even a sign and a wonder to the glory of Christ to the astounding exposure and destruction of darkness occurs. And that um, regardless of what happens afterwards when people are leaving, uh, they're leaving astounded by the immediate, inseparable, living presence of God, uh, a new relationship in the power of the Holy Spirit, and a new fresh commitment to be fearless, to serve God, to be a witness, to do the mission of Jesus, that it's the biggest, most astounding, most incredible, most brilliant work going on in the the face of the earth. So uh, I come uh, hungry for that. I come prayed up for that. I come uh, joining with Pastor Langford and Paul McGuire and all the other speakers. I see. I, I joined them and and the many people that are coming. And, and so I think the conference, here's my feeling about it, Here, just in the spirit of God. The um, conference is more set up by God than anybody knows. I mean, I know there's human elements. We have uh, great dear friends, Mike, Gene, they're, they're people that are setting everything up, speakers that are coming, hundreds and hundreds of people coming. My sense of this conference is God has ripped away, pulled together, turned around. God is setting something up here, and uh, I'm coming with great expectation. I just want to be in the hand of God to be used the way uh, all of my gifts and callings are. I want to see all the speakers that way, but I I think that uh, a collective visitation, Like Acts chapter 4, when they cried out to God and quoted scripture, such power of God came down that even the building shook. And it translated into all of the people being released into mission. Uh, The mission of getting millions of believers on the field, engaging the rest of humanity, that is is what I'm hoping to see. A great engagement by God and the people. And then a great release of the people to be like Philip in Acts chapter 8 and just giving themselves to the mission of Jesus and never giving up and fighting through everything else and seeing the victories of the Lord. And, of course, seeing grandmothers and kids and heroin addicts and demon-possessed and people who don't even know their genders and people who don't even know who they are. They come to the Creator in Christ Jesus and uh, they get saved and this salvation is so great, so astounding. And this year, for me, in my ministry, in my my walk, uh, every year I look for uh, just, God, give me a verse, give me a word. What is the theme for the year? And God gave me for 2016, restoration, like in Isaiah 58. Uh, The repair of broken walls, the idea that God repairs, that God builds again, and God restores again. That's about lives that are so wrecked, so ripped apart, so pulled away that God is able to pull you together with uh, His hands. And the Creator, Redeemer, a Savior, Jesus, puts us back together and fills us with His Spirit, makes us whole again, and empowers us. And the feelings of that victory, of that joy, superabound, And uh, that's what I look forward to at this coming conference. And it's going to be an astounding, uh, astounding time there. And I look forward to seeing you and everybody there.
2: Well, Russ... I can speak for all the speakers on this panel. That's exactly what we want to see. God will restore his people. And I believe this is going to be an incredible event. And I think you've summed it up well for us all. Thank you, Russ. And our next speaker to join us is Paul McGuire. Paul, tell the listeners, what is your vision for this upcoming conference in Dallas, Texas?
8: Well, my vision for the conference um, centers around uh, the message that I believe the Lord has called me to give. Uh, after seeking his face and doing research. And that message will be entitled A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. This is based on research that I I feel very urgent about, and that concerns America and prophecy specifically in the year 2016, because the decisions we make in 2016, uh, wrong or right, are going to essentially establish our paths for 2017 and beyond. And if we make the wrong decisions, um, I am very concerned that those decisions will be irreversible. So I I come into the conference with a, a great sense of urgency that the stakes are very, very high. People understand that this is such a critical year. And so I'm going into the conference with a sense of urgency but also with a sense that God has a plan for his people, Uh, he has supernatural power for his people, and if his people will seek him, we seek the face of God, I believe we can make the right decisions and be the people that God wants us to be and turn America in the direction that it needs to be turned in because ultimately, You know, we're in an hour of grace. God has given us a window of opportunity to to turn the direction of America, and he wouldn't have given us that window of opportunity if he didn't also give us the power and the wisdom to do it. And Jesus shows up when his people seek his face collectively. So I believe there's going to be a powerful visitation a very powerful visitation from God. And we need this. We're at the most critical hour in our nation's history, and I believe God's going to be faithful and show up powerfully at this conference. That's what I'm going into the conference with. That's what my my burden is.
2: So I think you've articulated so well what we all feel on this roundtable is that we are certainly living in unprecedented times, and I think you're so right when you say we're going to have such an incredible event, and I thank you for your comments. And now next up we have L.A. Marzulli. So, L.A., again, you've heard all the speakers talk about their vision. What is your vision for this here at the Watchman Conference in Dallas? Well, first of all, hats off to the
9: other speakers, and I concur with
2: much of what they said.
9: I have a slightly different take. Um, I just think that, that we're in a period of time which is unlike any other time in history. Um, it's a time of... Uh, tumultuousness. It's a time of just uncertainty. And uh, uh, there's a tension here, and I think people can feel that tension. And I think what we're looking at is we're in the midst of a cosmic regime change. There's a supernatural element to everything that we're seeing on this planet. Everything that we're seeing has, in my opinion, has a supernatural component to it. Um, It is being driven by dark, unseen forces. The good news is the rider on the white horse, Jesus, is going to return, because that's the only way out of this mess. What I mean by that, Sheila, is this. We're never gonna change the ideology of a Khomeini. We're not gonna change the ideology of those who had ISIS or Hezbollah or Hamas. You know, we're not not gonna change the gay agenda in this country. Um, How are we we ever going to overturn uh, the gay marriage nonsense, which was basically force-fed down the throats of most Americans? How can we possibly overturn over one billion aborted babies, which is unprecedented? That is absolutely unprecedented. In the history of the world, this is the world that we're living in. That is a ritualistic blood sacrifice, which has opened up the gates of hell, in my opinion. This is where we are. This is where we are. And the occult is in our face. It is everywhere. It is global. And, and I think people are, are, are so shell-shocked by this that they, they don't know how to act to it. And this is what, you know, some of what I will be talking about in Dallas will be putting on the armor of God. Yeah, we're in the days of chaos. Yes, we're in the midst of a regime change. But this is what, it should, instead of acting in fear, it should excite us. It should should get us just completely on fire for the Lord, because we've got the answer to all the nonsense that's going on. It's right in our Bibles. And that answer is that mankind is depraved, and we need a Redeemer. We need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And when we come to Him, our sins are forgiven, and, and we have a new life. That's the answer. But in the meantime, we need to put on the armor of God and realize that Time to get out of the four walls of the churches and get out and start shouting it from the rooftops because he is going to return because the only way out of this thing, out of the mess that we're in on a global level is to have the return of the king, and I believe it's soon.
2: Well, we are certainly in unprecedented times. And you're right. We need a Redeemer indeed, don't we? La? it's a pleasure to have you and all these wonderful men on this roundtable. What a blessing. What a privilege. And in the waning moments, Pastor David Lankford, would you, sir, do the honor of praying for the people on this panel as well as the event and the attendees, sir?
0: I want to say to the listeners, you have been so blessed already tonight to a foretaste of what you're going to experience and be a part of when you get to Dallas. God has not already demonstrated through these brethren a banquet table, and I don't know how else to explain it, but you have a foretaste of what God is about to do through these men. This is going to be a year, if you take the sum total of 2016, it comes up to nine. It's a year of fruitfulness. I think these men, I know these men, are bearing fruit of Christ's spirit. I'm going to pray, and I want to pray first for the brotherhood. Peter tells us to love the brotherhood. Why are we brothers and sisters in Christ? This has been made possible by Jesus Christ through his death at the cross. It gives every man, woman, boy, and girl a chance to be given the new birth. And because of the new birth, it makes men and women brothers and sisters in the Lord. Father, I am humbled tonight to serve and pray for your servants, your brothers and our sisters in Christ. Lord, I thank you for what you've already displayed tonight through these men, their gifts, their talents, and their anointing, and that how you're going to use them to pour the oil and the wine into every heart and into every individual that appears at that conference. Father, I pray for every attendee that, Lord, no matter how broken they might be, you are a God of second chances, a God of restoration, a God of redemption. I am confident tonight, Lord, that you're going to pour oil and wine into every spirit. You're going to bring healing, deliverance, restoration, repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation. All of these things are going to be brought to fruition because of the anointing and the gifts you have placed upon these ministers and speakers. Now I ask you, Father, to make us one, even as you and your Son are one, that we all might be one in the Holy Ghost. And I pray that the Holy Ghost would have absolute preeminence in all things. Father, I pray there'd be great submission, one to another, and more than anything, submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, and God, that your will might be done. I'm looking for the extraordinary. I'm looking for the divine nature of God to brood over this meeting, and very, Spiritual and unusual things begin to happen because of your divine presence. Touch our hearts, prepare us mentally, but more than anything, Lord, prepare us spiritually to feed the flock of God. You asked Peter thrice, do you love me? Three times he said, yes, Lord. Then your commandment was, feed my sheep. Lord, may we feed your people when they gather at this meeting May you minister to them, minister through us, that we might be your hand extended to everyone that shows up, Father. We pray for Mike and Jeannie that, God, you would touch them, grace their lives greatly, and help them to endure all that they must to aggregate and to bring this meeting together, Father. And tonight, from this perspective, Lord, we now place this meeting in your hand, and we pray that your divine will be be done, and we ask it, in Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.
2: Amen. Well, thank you for that incredible prayer, Pastor David Langford. A privilege, such an honor to have you gentlemen on this here the Watchman Roundtable. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. And we look forward to seeing everybody out in Dallas, March 18th to the 20th. Today's bio has the herethewatchmen.com link. Do come out, folks. Pray about it. I know that God will provide a way for His people. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the program. Folks, thank you for listening